Matthew chapter number 13. Uh, it's so good to be here today. Uh, deacons, there'll not be a deacons meeting tonight because I've had seven of the six deacons said they wanted to watch the ball game. That's not true. Um, one of the deacons is sick. He's home this morning getting ready to watch the ball game. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll have our deacons meet the next, uh, next Sunday evening. Uh, so that'll, that'll, that'll work. Uh, how many of you folks have a recorder that you can record the ball game? Anybody here have? Does anybody know how to use the recorder you've got? I think we have one. I just do not know how to use it. So we'll have service at the regular time tonight, and uh, we'll have a Super Bowl watching party after the service when we get home. Amen? Free popcorn if you buy it. All the grains you can drink if you'll buy them. And they tell me that it's just as good on recording as it is when it's going on. I'm not too sure. So somebody asked me, said, is our crowd down today? I said, yeah, today is a very unusual day. Did you know there's a, it's more dangerous to drive on Super Bowl weekend than the other weekend in all of the year? It is. I can see why, because a lot of our folks are on highway today. They probably run over one another, right? <laughs> All right. I'm reading for you out of the book of Matthew, chapter number 13. And, of course, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that chapter 13 is a wonderful chapter. It deals with the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and Christ is teaching the multitudes, and then in the middle of the chapter, he takes the disciples off to themselves and begin to teach them. And uh, today, I just would like to ask you the question, what is our church worth to you? Now, I know what it's worth to Christ. He gave his own blood for the church. But the problem today is, what kind of priority do you have concerning your church? How important is it in your individual life? Is it something that we do on Sunday if we feel like it? Or is it significant in your life, in your family's life? And does it make a difference in the United States of America? Remove the old-fashioned, Bible-believing, preaching churches, and you've got another Cuba, Iran, or Iraq. 
So just, I'd like to ask you this question. What is your church worth to you? Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, to which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy goeth, therefore and goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly perils, who when he hath found one peril of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I'd like you to kind of look at this phrase in verse 44. Selleth all that he hath. Verse 46. Sold all that he hath. The men in the parables held that the treasure and the pearl was of more value than anything that they at the present time owned because they sold all they had to purchase it. If you know anything about your Bible, you know that the kingdom of heaven is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pearl of great price is the pearl of great price because of the price that was paid to purchase it. Notice, if you would please, a pearl is the only jewelry that man cannot improve. Any other gem, any other valuable jewelry, man must place his expertise to improve the value. But if man even touches a pearl with an instrument that would scratch it or mark it, destroys the value. Here we have two men, one stumbling through a field, the other in desperately search for the jewel. One man haphazardly walking through another man's field and suddenly discovers maybe an overturned clod, maybe uh, something had been shifted aside and suddenly he sees their treasure. Well, preacher, don't you think it's kind of stupid to have your treasure in a field? Not when the banks are dishonest and charge $30 for a hot check. You say, well, you ought not be hanging paper. Many of good, honest, hardworking folk make honest mistakes 
and the banks take advantage of that and just add on charge after charge after charge after charge. In the Bible days, wars were very, very common. This king or this tribe invading this tribe and carrying off spoils. It was a customary thing to hide treasure where nobody else could find it. Should... Uh, they be conquered, or should the nation of Israel be carried off into bondage for 70 years or 430 years as in Egypt? And many times as the kings, as the invading armies came in, they were ushered away into captivity there to leave their treasure that they had buried in the field. Therefore, the Holy Lands and around the Palestine area, the earth was wealthy with buried treasure. The man was not dishonest to hide again the treasure and go sell what he had to purchase a field. If it had been me, I'd have taken the treasure and bought the field. Evidently, the treasure did not belong to the man who presently owned the property. Should uh, he have known about the treasure, he would have taken the treasure before he sold the property. Here is lost, hidden treasure that someone just haphazardly happened upon, maybe the thump of a rod. I know not why. But the treasure is there nonetheless. And when he found the treasure accidentally, he thought that the treasure was more valuable than all of his earthly assets. Jesus at one time, speaking to the multitudes, referred to a scale. And said, what do it profit a man? Should he gain the whole world and do what? Lose his own soul. My question today to you is, would you rather invest in the temporal or the eternal? Is your present day asset more durable than your eternal assets. Someone said that it's not a bad idea to give that which you cannot keep to gain that which you cannot lose. The Bible said the kingdom of heaven is like under treasure, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is like treasure, like hidden treasure. I wonder, has society and Christianity devalued the church in the eyes of its members? 
Going to church Sunday? Yeah, I feel like it. Be here tonight? According to who's playing the Super Bowl. Why aren't you going Sunday? It's give it all Sunday. Why aren't you going Sunday? It's prove your love Sunday. That's what we do. We prove our love. Now let me say to you this, and I want to help you a little bit. The church does not need your money today. And I, I, I do not care what the offering is. I just have got to prove to God something about me. It's not about you today. It's about me. How much do I value this church? It, it really does not hedge around what you give. It hedges around what you have in here. It's not about what you've got in your wallet. It's not about what I've got in my bank account. It's about what I have in here. Aren't you glad of that? And so here is a traveling merchant, if you please, an entrepreneur. He's in the business of uh, traveling from place to place looking for goodly perils. He buys pearls wholesale and sells them retail. And he's traveling about the country seeking, verse 45, goodly pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he so valued that pearl that he sold all that he had and he bought it. I would say he probably did not buy the pearl to keep himself, but he saw something worthy of in. Investing in. And he probably realized that the returns would be so much more value than his present assets. You see, I, I don't know if I could explain this to you correctly or not, but our Lord spent a lot of time and effort in teaching about treasure. He must have known that treasure had a lot to do with what we think and what we do. And that's the reason he said to us, lay not up for yourselves what? Treasures on the earth. Why? Because the, psalm, the wise man said they gather wings and fly away. It's not a matter of whether your treasures are temporal or not. If they don't gather wings and fly away, you will one day die and fly away. And then Jesus said to that rich fool, then whose shall those riches be? It's not about a big offering. 
It's not about a braggadocious attitude today. It's about me proving to my God that I love him more than I do my temporary assets. Not about you. It's about me. Now, before I get through, I hope it's about you. Because some of you are not giving me any amens at all today. But the question really is, does the return equal the sacrifice? Does the need justify the effort? Will my participation today in any type of the service make any difference? What's in it for me? Verse 44 says, With joy he hid it. With joy he went and sold all he had. And with joy he made the purchase. You see, I, I see a lot of Baptists today that just lost all the joy of being saved. I mean, just, to, just lost all the joy of being saved. And I, and I think when you cease appreciating your church, I think joy goes out the back door. I want you to notice something today. It's not about money. It's not about how much I give. It's about my heart, my attitude toward money and things. I want you to just look in your Bible. I've read this verse several times, but I want you to look at what Jesus says in chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And I'd like to show you the emphasis. He used all of his earthly treasures to obtain heavenly treasures. I was reading an illustration someplace this week, I don't know where it was, about suppose or play life. That during the Civil War, a man supposedly had accumulated uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in Confederate money. He was a northern boy from California. But he was going to go back up north as soon as the war was over. And he accumulated all of this wealth but it was in Confederate money. The war ended. He went back up north with all that he had accumulated. And when he got home, it was all worthless. I wonder when we draw our last breath. And we take off up north. And we arrive there with all of our cars and our houses and our lands and our toys and all of these things that we have accumulated. I wonder when we get up north how much value they're going to be. Are you listening to me? You say, make it simple. 
I don't think I can make it any more simpler than that. Maybe when we get to heaven and we're dragging all this junk with us that we give ourselves nervous breakdowns over, get divorces over, raise hell over, neglect our kids over, and we go dragging all that junk up to the gates of glory. And we look at a long line. We get in line. And everybody dragging the junk to the top of the hill. Begin to throw that junk off in the great big hole. Because up there, everything that we are dragging today is nothing but junk. What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world? But he gains the Then he says, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto prince hid in the field. Now notice the emphasis is not on the field. Look at verse 28, if you would please, of the same chapter. And, and you'll notice if you would, oh, I got you over in chapter 6 and ain't even read yet. But I know, look at 38 over in verse number, chapter number 13. Notice the emphasis is not on the field, it's on the treasure in the field. Verse 38 says, and the field is the world. Somewhere in this world, for every lost, hell-bound individual, and for everybody who addresses faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, someplace in this whole wide world, there is a treasure worthy of our investment. Somewhere in this world, there is an entity started by Almighty God and referred to in His Word as the kingdom of heaven. Somewhere in this hell-bound, stinking world, there is something worthy of our investment. It's filled with wheat and tares. It's filled with good fish and bad fish. It's filled with evil and good. And somewhere in this world, there is a place, there is treasure, there is something that our Lord held in such value that the Bible said He gave His own blood to redeem it. Where would you be? if it were not for the pearl of great price. Oh, some of us were seeking it and some of us just stumbled on it. Some of you think you got tricked to come to this church your very first time. Somebody probably conned you to come in the first time. You wasn't looking for it. You just stumbled on it, and all of a sudden, God opened your eyes, and the Holy Spirit flooded your soul, and you got born again, saved all over, and now you've invested your life into a place that's changing other lives. Notice, if you would please, he used all of his earthly treasures 
to obtain heavenly treasures. The heir to Borden's dynasty was just a young man. His family died and left him the entire inheritance. Borden's dairy, Borden's uh, industries. At a very young age, he decided to give his entire inheritance to foreign missions and to the Lord. And as a missionary, went to Egypt as a missionary to the Muslims and to the, that people. Somewhere down a very, very shabby road and somewhere behind the shanties of all of that uh, poverty is a grass-ridden grave with his name on a wooden tombstone. Just down the street, King Tuck's burial place, a pyramid. Buried in a solid gold casket. Enclosed behind gold doors. Enclosed behind closed doors. Enclosed behind more gold doors. Literally, Hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold. He's buried in his treasure. The missionary Borden died and went to his. We're still admiring King Tuck's treasure. But the Lord Jesus Christ and Mr. Borden is enjoying his treasure because he felt he found something in this world. Something in this world was worthy of his investment. I just would like to ask you today why should I participate? Not in the offering, but in the ministries of this church. Why should I attend this church? Why, why, why should I serve in this church? Why should I give to this church? Maybe if you ever realized how important the church is to this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you real quickly why I participate in this church. I think if the church has a mumble peg contest, you guys ought to bring a knife and a stake. Not about whether you have talent or not. Not about whether you have funds or not. It's not about how much you give today. It's how much your heart wants to give. God's looking at our heart. Amen? I couldn't imagine, for the life of me, if I read any in this book, I can't imagine me missing tonight for a Super Bowl game, who they have brainwashed the entire country over Deflate Gate to try to get a bigger watch on television.
That's all that junk is about. Who cares if Tom Brady married a movie star? We just fall into them little schemes to get us excited about something that they lost all the excitement about weeks ago. I wonder next week, if you didn't make a bet, how much. Oh, by the way, who lost the Super Bowl last year? Don't. Well, we got two that knows. Not bad out of this crowd, is it? Earth-shaking deal, wasn't it? And if Manning hadn't been the quarterback, you'd have forgot that. Earth-shaking. Hmm? What'd you spend your money on, money on this week that you ain't never going to see again that mattered one bit in eternity? Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you why my church is worth me investing in. Number one, and the significant reason that we even have this offering, is it proves my love to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. I can sing, oh, how I love Jesus, till the offering plate comes by. I can sing about loving him. I can talk about loving him. I can act like I'm loving him. But Jesus said the proof is in the pudding. You prove, I prove, the sincerity of my love for Jesus Christ by my giving. You want to know who you love most, Walmart or Joshua Baptist? Look in your checkbook. I thought I'd get at least three amens there. In 2 Corinthians, you say, Preacher, why do you keep reading them same old verses? Because maybe one of these days we might believe them. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, it says, Brethren, I do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Notice the example he gives us how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. You know, I've counseled a lot of folks that were in terrible, hard times. But I've never had anybody come to my office and say, Preacher, I just want to come in and talk to you about all the joy I'm experiencing. She hadn't cooked for me in months. Uh, we've been sleeping in different rooms for several years. Preacher, it's so bad around my house, the dog won't even wag his tail when I give him something to eat. And the goldfish snaps at me every time I put some. Things are bad, but I'm just rejoicing in the Lord. These folk were in deep, harsh affliction, suffering deep poverty. And their deep poverty and their affliction abounded to their joy. Hey, you can be broke and be happy. 
listen to me. You, you, you don't have to have a lot of money to be happy. In fact, a lot of folk who have a lot of money, they are not very happy. Look at the sharks on television. Don't they look like a happy bunch? And everybody on the show is coming in there hoping they can get so happy like they are happy. Well, listen, well, you can at least buy your basketball team if you got that way. And the Bible said, and their power and above their power, they gave uh, willingly of themselves. Notice they were praying that they had received the offering, verse number 4. Verse number 5, they gave their money because they first gave themselves. Notice, if you would please, therefore, verse 7, therefore as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion, by the forwards of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. You know, I just like to see Ginger happy. That's the reason I'm such a generous guy around the house. Whatever she wants, I get it for her. I'm in, about to have, go into bankruptcy, but, you know, I haven't had any steak in years. Bologna is about all I got, but I'm just a suffering for Jesus and trying to make Ginger happy because I love her. Because I love her. Why are you here today? Why do you do what you do in this church? Is it for what you can get out of it? Or is it for what you can show the world? To prove the sincerity of your love. Notice this example, verse 9. Verse 9. You want an example and you give it? You want an example in your attitude toward this church? Verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became what? I didn't hear you. Came what? For that ye, through his poverty, might be made what? He's talking about heavenly treasures now, not earthly treasures. Heavenly treasures. I tell you something. If you're going to heaven today, you're a rich man. If your sins are gone and you have to face them again, you have wealth that you know not of. Amen. Prove the sincerity of your love. Now, that's what I did when I wrote on an envelope. Lord, I love you this much. I don't know what you're going to do today. And it don't make any difference what you're going to do. But between my and my God, it makes a lot of difference what I'm going to do. Verse 24 of the same chapter says this. Look at verse 24. Wherefore, show you to them... And before all churches, the proof of your what? Proof of your love. Show it. For 29 years, my family has been watching what Daddy gives every first Sunday in February. My kids have been watching. Every Sunday for 20 nine years my wife's been watching 
Watch it. I need to prove to them that what I've been preaching to them is real. Today, I get a wonderful opportunity to prove to Jesus how much I love him. Now, I could be preaching on your watermelon patch, and you wouldn't be near as tight-jawed as you are right now. For some unknown reason, I mention your money, you get real tight every once in a while. And amazing. wonder why. Maybe it's this. No man can serve two masters. He will love the one, and he will hate the other. He will flee from one and cling to the other. The only thing I'm trying to do is get your love life straight. By the way, how is your love life? See, I'm never really worried about the love life between you and your wife or your girlfriend. What's really important? is your love life with the Lord Jesus. Because that one's going to last forever. Well, that's what I do today. I just prove the sincerity of my love. Not only that, I prove the sincerity of God's promises. Does God mean what he says? I will do thus and so. He said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and Prove me here, say, herewith, saith the Lord. Prove me here. Prove me herewith. Prove me. God says, prove me. Does God mean what he says? And does he say what he means? He says, bring all your tithes in the storehouse and prove me herewith. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not be able to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. The best insurance that you and I can have, health insurance, life insurance, collision insurance, is tithing insurance. I will bless thee. If you don't, I will curse thee. Let's check some of his promises out. Do you know anybody today could stand a little peace? See, peace is a heavenly treasure that some folk have, that some folks will take. Every upper and downer, in and outer, they are addicted to everything in the world, trying to find some kind of peace. And God said, And I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon me. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in him is everlasting peace. That's heavenly treasure. I said, That's heavenly treasure. How much that worth? Well, you're paying a dollar a minute if the psychiatrist trying to get it. 
You're spending money on drugs trying to get it. You stick your head in a beer bottle so long that your bodily shape looks like a Pat's blue ribbon, and you still ain't got it. It's cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of temporal treasure trying to find a heavenly treasure when it's only in the Lord Jesus Christ. If money could fix it, Elvis was fixed. If money would fix it, Marilyn Monroe would have it fixed. Now you can tell how long it's been since I watched any movie. But I'm just trying to tell you, today, I can show my Lord that I believe his promise about peace, the promise of power, power. Thank God I do not have to succumb to all the powers that be. I do not have to yield to flesh. I do not have to yield to lust. I do not have to pour my ministry down the drain of all these many years just because some lady don't put enough clothes on. Amen. Amen. I, I do not have to give in to all that. Why? Because the Bible said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I just believe I've got all power in heaven and earth, and that is a heavenly treasure. It's not something you can buy with money. It's something you got by grace through faith. I found a treasure. Found a treasure in the field of this whole world. And buddy, everything I've invested in it, it's been worth it. I talk about uh, uh, provisions. Philippians 4.19. My wife and I had not had that when we started this church. We'd been in a world of hurt. You know what I'm talking about. When you start with nothing, you have nothing, that means there ain't nothing. And they look today and they say, well, uh, the preacher must be wealthy. No, I've given it all to the Lord. I've just put all this temporal stuff into eternal stuff, and one of these days I will not be leaving one dumb thing. I'll be going to get it all. I'm not backing into heaven. I'm going in wide open, buddy. Amen. And I'm not worried about brushy knob or thousand oaks or any of that thing. Somebody else will own it when I'm gone. Provision, But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. Heavenly treasures. Protection. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I don't worry about my wife when she's out on the highway. I've seen her shoot that thirty-eight. You say, why would you give your wife a gun if you have so much faith? Well, why did David have a sling? His went, hers goes bang, bang. Accomplishes the same thing. Are you listening? See, I've got some heavenly treasure that some of you folks aren't so sure about. My God. 
that message must not only be preached, it must be practiced. For 29 years now, this family has watched Daddy. What will your family learn from today? Will they learn anything that, about the value of investing in eternity? Are you going to teach them how to put your treasures in heaven? think maybe it's time we found out what our church is worth to us. Amen? Well, I sure wish I had a story that was funny to end this with. But I ask you, is your, the treasure you found in this world, the one that was hid in the field, is it worthy of your time, your talent, and your treasure? That's what stewardship is about. It's not about money. What's your church worth? You say, well, preacher, I don't need much church. Well, it's not helping much either, so about the same thing. I don't know what I'd do without this church. I've always said this church is a good place to raise kids. Yeah. You've helped us raise our children. I don't know if you'll have the patience now with our grandkids. Seem like they got some souped up jeans or someplace along the line. But I think this place is worthy of any temporal treasures you might want to invest.